welcome to the Fruitless Pursuit cast. My name is Mike. My name is Luke. My name is Jay. And we just have the a, three of us. Yeah, just the three. Just uh, the three guys Gentlemen. doing sh- doing shit. Who knows what? Shit, I have not done this in a couple weeks. I am very rusty. How are you guys doesn't doing? doesn't matter. It's just the guys. We can nah. do whatever we want. We can yeah. say what we want. That's we right. Talk about our uh, penises. That's right. I'm just thinking about the Will Smith song, just the three of us. I was thinking of Big Willie style. <laughs> yeah, and I was thinking of Wild Wild West, really. I was thinking about uh, maybe the three of us getting jiggy with it. Yeah? All right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Not bad. Within two minutes, not even, and we're already off to um, gay innuendos. So, well done, gentlemen. So, so, look, we're obviously all amped, we're all pumped, we're all raring to go. Uh, it's been a big week on the site. Quite a range of topics. What's a good point to jump in? Should we talk about Kickstarter? Let's kick it off with Kickstarter. So, Jay, you actually got an interview last week with um, a Kickstarter person who's doing a project. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, um, his name's Jimmy Magoo. He's doing... Uh... <laughs> I caught his Kickstarter probably because his name was Jimmy Magoo, but I was looking for a rock-related project to, to feature for Rocktober and I came across this thing Love and Robots and it's a a rock opera double record that used to be a musical called Love and Robots a couple years ago so he wants to record it as a double album the way I guess he quoted it was the way that it should be and I think it's like $18,000 and he was somewhere around $5,000 when I found him and just uh, asking him to interview he got really super excited and said it inspired him Uh, I think he even said that in the interview and he was really excited about it I was really excited about it because I haven't done an interview for our site yet and I got to do everything at once do the Kickstarter thing do the interview help this guy out yeah I'm really excited about it yeah I wanted to draw attention to it because I wasn't entirely sure when I first read the bit before the jump I thought maybe you were linking to an interview or something that he had already done so when I read that you have this full interview in there where you actually sort of get inside all the um, challenges about doing a Kickstarter project I think it's really interesting even just from a general Kickstarter perspective and it's a really interesting project as well. I mean, I was fascinated by the um, the pictures of the live show that were on there. That looked amazing. Yeah, that's. What I wish he would do the live show if that was part of the Kickstarter. But he's just doing the album now. We know where he's up to now. Like it was. Um, yeah, it was. It was around six six thousand. I mean, it, it's. I think he's got twenty four hours left. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. He's around uh, just over six thousand, and uh, unfortunately, he has about twenty four hours left to go. And I'm going to give it a little push on our, our Twitter right before it ends. Uh, but, you know, I don't think we can carry another, you know, 10,000, 12,000. 12 grand. Yeah. I think we have that kind of pool. Uh, I don't know, man. I think our, our followers are pretty are pretty substantial. So. Yeah. Maybe, Mike, if you uh, danced on a on your webcam. Perhaps. I can do for, that. Um, for, 24, for the next 24 hours. For the next 24 hours, hours to raise money for this. Yeah. It could work. Oh, it was um, cool, though. He sent us a MP3. Like, he recorded it that night. He was all super excited and sent us an MP3 of a little sample, which I was curious why that wasn't on the Kickstarter. I mean, he didn't have a lot of samples of the music on there. And uh, it was cool that he sent it to us, but we were the, I guess we were the only people who heard it. So. Well, let's talk kind of a little bit broadly about Kickstarter. Do you think that, obviously, in order to raise this kind of money, you do have to have a reasonably broad appeal? And, and I think maybe we think about Kickstarter as being a, a really good place for niche projects that might not have mainstream appeal but it seems to me that there's so much competition on there now that um you do have to sort of be thinking about how you're going to have the broadest appeal as possible so i do wonder if he's in effect limiting his market by only doing the um vinyl i mean i under- 
understand that the vinyl is a beautiful art object on itself. It's a great collector's item. It's a throwback to um, sort of homage to all the bands that he's referencing. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of people that um, just aren't going to be able to use it. Yeah, I'm, I was part of a vinyl Kickstarter for the band I used to play in about eight months ago. I think they, they ran it and theirs was only three grand. And I think they ended up at five. And they wanted to do just a vinyl because otherwise you can't do it. It's not something you could self-produce. You know, three grand coming up with five guys is kind of tough. Yeah, no, I mean, I understand that there's a um, a shift, like, between sort of collectors and consumers. There's this point now where, like, a CD doesn't have the value because you may as well just be listening to an MP3. Or burn it yourself. Yeah, so if you're selling somebody something, um, it needs to be a physical object, which is... Um, unique, can't be reproduced yourself, and uh, has some kind of inherent value. Exactly. Uh, so I can see the appeal there, but um, I wonder if uh, it would have helped the Kickstarter to have a, a cheaper option for a CD or something like that. I guess not. He's got the download well, available, hasn't he? Yeah, there was a down. I think one of the $15 got you a download as well. Um, unfortunately, this is the first time I've seen this just because I've been, I've been sick all week, so I haven't been able to get online as much as I'd like. But it's definitely an interesting project, and it's a shame that I don't know if it's going to happen. But. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I was, I've just been like, even with the interviews, I was trying to get like into their mind of like what makes Kickstarter work, what makes it doesn't work. I mean, I have even my own personal reasons trying to figure it out because I have my own projects on there. But just how to make a Kickstarter project really, really succeed, and it's, I don't think there's very much a formula. I think it's definitely getting flooded. There's even going into the music sections. There's tons and tons of bands on there nowadays, and a year ago it wasn't anything like that. So I'm curious where it's gonna go. It's definitely... Yeah, because you're finding... I mean, I, I read an article the other day, and I, I can't remember who it actually was, but there was a comics publisher who was actually a sort of, um, you know, established comics publisher who was going to be bringing out a book on there. And, and I think once you start having uh, companies that already have some level of funding and already have an output uh, using it as well, it's going to really change the environment. I think they almost need to have, like, a separate section, like the indie section and then, the you know, the, the established section. Because the, the established one, it almost, like, defeats the purpose purpose you know you're doing this because you need the money you need the support you won't be able to do this project otherwise and most of them are using it as a pre-order system and they are going to be doing otherwise yeah we talked about this um on another podcast just about how everything's going to pre-order now well that's not that's not always the case though i mean like if you do look through like the at least the 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 film section there's some very there's some very interesting uh like documentaries and some films like that that are only can only be made if the funding happens i know i backed a project a, a while back called um called a design and thinking and it's literally all of, all about the process of design and the thinking that goes into it and they had lined up some interviews and everything like that but they were not going to be able to do it unless they received the funding and they did and they actually did a fantastic job at it and so i mean like that's that's definitely a, a definitely an, uh, an example of one that would not have happened had it not been for the kickstarter project but what about i mean an arts project here in Australia at least if you're talking film you're talking theatre things like that I mean there are proper channels if you're a serious person who uh, wants to produce this stuff and presumably if you're serious about making films you've done some sort of film study you've got some sort of experience then there are legitimate channels for funding where you can um, you know receive sort of like government funding and grants and things like that I know this is great I mean it's grassroots you go directly to you you try and appeal directly to the um, the your target audience and and I think that's a really good thing. I think it's definitely an easier way out than going those government routes and Kickstarter is not easy by any means. I mean, I'm seeing that that it's 
you have to really, really work it, you know, especially if you have like a higher priced, you know, funding goal. But um, it can be the lazy way out. You pop it online and get a bunch of people to spread the word for you. I think there's a problem, though, with just any kind of funding, um, any sort of group source funding or even anything that's like government funding is it's just not sustainable. You get sort of caught in that funding cycle. So you get your documentary made or your game made or your vinyl album made. And that's great. You got the money. But then what happens next? I mean, you want to do your second project. Do you go back to the funding well? I mean, you still probably don't have any money. Exactly. Or do you um, ask all the same people again? Oh, hey, guys, I know you just donated, but can you donate again? Because I've got this next thing. That was like uh, last year I did a project and it was a game and it was f- a little board game. It was five, $350 I needed. And in my whole description, I talked about a monthly gaming project where I was going to do this every month. And uh, as soon as that one ended, I kind of felt too bad to go into the next one. I didn't feel like, I didn't want to ask these people for money again. And then I kind of thought about it and I'm like, well, hopefully I'm giving them something that they want. And hopefully these are people who want the product and aren't just supporting me because it's me. And it was this whole thing and it just messed up my head so much that I didn't do it again just for fear of, you know, asking people for more money. And that's that's what it became for me, just asking people for money. And I couldn't tell if they genuinely wanted the pledge or they just were helping me out. It was just a whole weird thing. Oh, I guess ultimately, like once something becomes successful, it hits that point where project A pays for project B and project B pays for project that's, C. Uh, I guess that's the know, ultimate you, goal. Yeah. And you're continually sort of snowballing. But I guess it takes a while to kind of get there. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, the nice thing about Kickstarter, though, is that it does allow for you to go ahead and take an idea that you have brought to fruition. I mean, like, be it, you know, whether you are like a big name company or not, you know, and just kind of test the waters to see what the general interest is. I mean, even if you like, even if you set it as like kind of a a target goal, like a a very like low end number for like for some companies, it's a very great, it's a very easy way for them to be able to kind of test market to see if like there really is general interest in this so they can go ahead and ramp up production on it uh, without really putting a lot of money into it. So for some of these companies, it works out pretty well, it seems. It has absolutely no cost to get started. You have like your ideas, you have, you've done the research, you've done the development, but you know, what point would it be to develop it then if no one's going to buy it? At least this way it helps you find that out. And I found that out online. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> well, it's interesting. I mean, you and I had a chat in private about that and um, I don't know, it's given you ideas, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. I've talking to you and I put some things on Board Game Geek because it is a game that I'm, I'm attempting to develop and I've gotten a lot of feedback basically you know your art sucks um, your description sucks and I take it all very very uh, I'm, I'm happy personally. to hear it all no but I, no, I don't take it personally I, I take it no, I very well and I'm going to apply it to the next project and it, it's cool people came out and they think they're being a complete dick to me but uh, you know I'll take it I, that's exactly why I put myself out there to hear all this yeah that's good (laughs) well i wonder what might be something that be of interest um lorian uh who was our part-time poster here for a little bit she uh she has her documentary coming out here uh she actually just posted her trailer for it um today actually it's the golden going cardboard it's the documentary on board games and she was completely funded through kickstarter so i wonder if you'd be interested to have her actually come on and actually talk about that a bit that'd be cool yeah that could be cool 
I watched some um, of her uh, documentary stuff. It looks great. Lots of like big name people in there in yeah. the board game industry. It's cool. Like I'm a bit hesitant on Kickstarter now because I find myself there's so much stuff throughout the year that I'm paying for, like you know, really far in advance, <laughs> and um, you just lose track. Like you don't know yeah. what you've got. <laughs> like you know, you pay for something. Like we bought those. Um, we covered it on the site. They were the tribute to the muscle figures, the wrestling figures. Yes. Oh Christ! Yeah. Right. Um, they were, and they had legend <laughs> characters like the brick shit house and stuff. Like I don't know when those are gonna arrive. Arrive. That could be next year. Like it's such a big. Um, I'm still waiting for uh, something that I pledged for my own band. So and that was in March. Oh jeez. <laughs> yeah. So you know, you throw you throw money in and you just don't know. So I'm kind of trying to limit. Um, I just had that big shock of uh, I told you I'd pre-ordered the um, that Batman Begins from Hot Toys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the one that looks like Christian Bale. That's just been. Um, I think it's getting shipped tomorrow. They're not cheap. When that suddenly arrives, it's quite big. But um, I talked to you about my Star Wars subscription. I'm subscribe to getting one of every figure yeah and, uh, god that's ridiculous I had, to, I had to cancel it the because other no day figures after... are coming out no <laughs> i haven't oh, seen a single they... fit new figure in like six months yeah. seriously yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I went to this thing because it's like it's impossible to get the figures without paying two to three times the price. So their arrangement is it's ten dollars a figure, you get the whole wave, and pay twenty dollars shipping per wave uh, internationally, which is you know that's decent for me. A Star Wars figure costs about eighteen dollars in Australia, which is just ludicrous. So um, ten dollars, I'm happy with. But um, what they did, this is Brian's toys that has the uh, subscription. The newest wave is only three figures. So they decided, oh, well, we're going to have a minimum now. Um, apparently they implemented this earlier, but they didn't update it on the website or something. Um, if the terms change at all, they're supposed to notify you, but they didn't notify me. They charged me $70 for three figures, um, that includes shipping, and didn't send me any email even telling me that they'd done it. So I just saw it on my bank account and went, oh, they've taken $70. I wonder what it is. Two weeks later, I finally get an invoice because I can't um, update my records or look at anything. And uh, it's three figures that they've charged me for. So I messaged them and say, how can you change the terms and jack the price up so much and uh, not tell me? And um, they're just like, oh, we sent everyone an email at the beginning of the year, uh, which I wasn't even a member then. Yeah, and they said that, oh, you know, it's on the site now and everything, but I was never told. So it really soured the experience because you think if they've done it once, you know, can they do it again? And uh, at that kind of price, I, could, I may as well be back to eBay. So I just don't know what to do with the Star Wars stuff. Were they even three figures that you wanted? Who are they? They're three pretty cool figures. There's um do you remember the Knights of the Old Republic game? Yeah. Have you yep. played that? Yep. Uh, you know Bastilla Shan, the um, Jedi woman who wears the like sort of yellow and Okay, yeah, yeah jumpsuit yeah she was a fan's favorite figure that um won a poll so they were making her a special <laughs> so i imagine that'll be a quite um sought after figure uh there's a new version of ponda Barba, which looks amazing he's the warist man that gets his arm cut off mm-hmm. uh and it's got the like alternate hands because you know in the movie he's got f- big flippers in one shot but then when you see the severed hand he's actually got like a human hand <laughs> that's actually with, really um, cool a thumb and fingers so it comes with both so um yeah so it comes with both <laughs> um the other one's an echo like trooper just like a hot trooper so i wouldn't have paid 20 odd dollars for a hoth trooper just i mean i've got about 30 of the freaking things already so that was disappointing i so now i'm in the star wars wilds like i have to go on the hunt again and get them all individually and i won't get one of every figure now i'll just pick out the ones that i want but i find that so frustrating i think we'll get a big boost next year when phantom menace hits 3d and Definitely. There's a big wave of those figures coming out and maybe the stores will stock them all again. But it's such a cycle, you know? That means those exact same figures will be sitting in the <laughs> P 
pegs in August, and uh, we'll have to wait another year for the next big event. Yeah, it's been, it, the pegs have been so dry lately. I've been going every day, you know, stopping Walmart or stopping Target, and there's there's been nothing. Nothing has changed. Oh, to put your price into perspective as well, um, I have a whole... I have eight Return of the Jedi carded figures that I obtained a couple of years ago for like $15 each. And I was going through stuff that I'm going to sell on eBay today. And I went to put, you know, to see what they were bringing on eBay. And some of them bring about $25 a piece. So, uh, <laughs> that's, that's not very good. <laughs> yeah. That's almost the same price you're paying for them for the new ones. It's crazy. I should go, I should be out. I should just sell all this shit and <laughs> live like a, um, a Buddhist or something. Well, you'd, you'd be a hermit if you did. Yeah. I mean, you'd have like nothing. <laughs> I'm with you though. I, I haven't bought anything new in a long time, and I, I I look at it and I love it, but I'm at the same time where I'm like I don't know if I want to continue it because it's just that cycle, like you said. Well, look, let's talk about big, crazy, impulsive purchases. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you you and I both, huh? So. And this amazed me. So I, I said on the blog, I won't tell the whole story, but I I got hold of the White Dwarf magazine at work, and I <laughs> saw uh, Dreadfleet, which is the miniatures game. It's pirates, sea battles. It's a big miniatures tabletop game and I was just so impressed that um, you basically because normally when you look at these articles you see all these different things and you think well I would have to buy them all individually it will take me a billion years and it will cost a billion dollars and I was so impressed that the whole thing came in one set everything you needed was in one box oh. and um, I asked you about it Mike I said what do, what do you know about Dreadfleet and you were like oh yeah well I haven't assembled it yet and I was like you've mm-hmm. got it? That's crazy yeah, yeah. so w- when did you get it? Um, I I actually got it the day it came out <laughs> So and when I don't um, even I know nothing about it apart from the fact that it's yeah downstairs um, and consuming my life. When did it come right. out? Um, it actually came out last Saturday. Um, for some reason, Games Workshop runs on the strangest schedule known to man. Whereas most things come out during the week, uh, like video games are typically a Tuesday, at least here in the states. Uh, movies are usually like a Thursday. For some reason, Games Workshop releases things on Saturdays, the day that mail does not arrive and packages do not ship. Um, but yet. Somehow this one managed to actually arrive here for for us, anyways. But yeah, it's just it's this massive box. It's part of their their limited sometimes series. Um, about two or three years ago, they really they came out with the first one in the series uh, called Space Hulk, um, which is based off their Warhammer 40k uh, verse, and it's all about space marines ta- taking on like the alien alien hordes in space. Um, is that a all self-contained in one box thing as well? It is. It is. And that, but that one was more of a of a reprint. Like it was like back uh, late eighties, early nineties. Um, they'd come out with Space Hulk originally, and it was a much more cheaper version of it. It was like there was models to it, very flimsy paper, cardboard stuff. And, you know, it was popular, but then they came with a second edition and that was better. And then third edition Space Hulk was the, was this particular one. And they they put it out. They said, all right, we're, gonna make, we're only going to make so many of these and then that's it. And a lot of folks were just like, yeah, whatever, that's, that's never going to happen. And, like, it sold for, like, $99. And... Like at the time, like I didn't, I wasn't really starting to collect games or anything like that. And we saw it like when we were on our wedding, um, on our honeymoon for our wedding, my wife, Romantic. And I, my wife and I, not Luke and I, um, and you know, like I was really all about it, except I didn't want to carry the damn thing around cause it weighs a freaking ton, you know, jump two year and a half years later, you're lucky to, if you could find one, uh, for under $300. Yeah. And, that was going to be my next question. Actually. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so I mean they're still out there, but to find one for like under like like I said under three hundred is impossible. Unless just because if you're you, right? Yeah, because you know <laughs> I I have ridiculous abilities of finding anything for insanely cheap. Um, I found my copy about maybe four months ago when I actually started looking and found it uh, for the $99 at a game store. And they were like, yeah, well, we're pretty sure this hasn't sold very well. We're thinking about (laughs) discounting it down. It's like, yeah, please do. I don't mind that. You stupid sons of bitches. But so, yeah, but like Dreadfleet, um, jumping back to what we're actually talking about is, uh, kind of, it kind of falls under the same, uh, the same premise. It's supposed to be a limited, um, limited run edition of this game. It was, it was originally based around the concepts of like undead pirates, um, in the Warhammer, uh, universe. But it kind of got shelved uh, because it was like so involved as far as a rule set. It wasn't. It wasn't really going to be something that they could, you know, justify publishing within like the overall game. Um, and so, you know, eventually it came out to be this one, this one-off thing where everything you need is right there in the box. You know, all these crazy, all these crazy pirate ships, uh, all the rules, all the dice. The only thing you really need is to make it real sexy is paint and glue, and that's about it. So yeah, and it's going to take a billion years because there are so many things. <laughs> Put together and paint. Um, it's just a huge amount of stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I, I looked at your pictures and like that looked completely um, accurate, and then completely overwhelming all at the same time. <laughs> like, um, I was actually more impressed when you told me that you uh, you'd been able to assemble it without actually using any glue. Um, yeah, it's all clipped together. Um, yeah. I think you'd want to glue it together when you were done, just to to keep it really tight. But um, it was good because it's enabling me to put everything together. I can see what it looks like, get a sense of you know what parts fit where, and then I can pull each one apart again when I paint it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's meaning I don't have a thousand pieces all over the table while I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm just kind of uh, it's just working on my second ship i might start a third one today mm-hmm. but um yeah really overwhelming i'm enjoying painting scenery because that's quite easy Just yeah lots of rocks <laughs> i'm looking at a there's one with a sh- it's a ship with a guy blowing wind into the sails it looks awesome yeah it's got a genie like a um air guy an air elemental guy blowing the sails and then there's a fire elemental guy also attached to the boat who's flying at the side so uh, and cool. there's some really intimidating things to paint like the good guy ship has got a cathedral uh, with stained glass windows and everything um, perched <laughs> on the top of it so um don't know how i'm gonna go with some of that stuff but uh yeah i'm, I'm really enjoying it um it's just gonna be one of those really time consuming things and obviously i've got a lot of other things on the boil uh the reason i bought it was because i uh do have quite a few holidays in the next week um now how do you yet. how do you actually play the game no idea no, no I'm, fucking I'm not gonna, yeah. <laughs> nobody gonna knows that far no. well i mean time. is it i see the, I, um, is, is it measuring do you me- i don't even understand it. yeah it comes There's... with there are there are measuring uh like little rulers that are um look like spines that you i also have to paint so i also have to paint all the tokens and pieces as well um jay like the kind of like the basics of of how the game works is it's it uses kind of like a, a streamlined version of like the warhammer uh rule set and so like you're ultimately you have like your defense and your attack and your rolling dice to to do so and you have and each piece has special abilities and maneuvers and everything it can do uh but because it's a pirate game it also takes into into account um wind velocity and direction and so 
you uh, basically, even when you're not moving, your ship is actually moving. And so you have to kind of take into account for like drift and everything like that, which is pretty cool. But it's also, it sounds a lot more crazy than it really is. But I, I saw it in play this past week um, in my local in my local game shop. And it's uh, it's definitely pretty impressive. Um, it plays fairly, fairly quickly by comparison to, uh, <laughs> by comparison to like Warhammer. But, uh, but it, it play, but you can usually get, a, you can usually get a game in, I'd say in probably about an hour and a half or so. And that was from folks who'd never played it before so once you actually know what you're doing probably a little bit faster or who knows I saw it comes with a 92 page all... rule book yeah uh, no, <laughs> they have it all painted up uh, no no because even they are not that insane but they did have it assembled and primed um, so they just went ahead and basically they they glued and assembled it all and then they um, they spray painted it down with some black primer and uh, so it looked real sharp um, but you know there's just so much detail in the damn things you know I mean like I mean well you know because you're painting it as well but like yeah. just like even like the um, even the sails like have like the heraldry like and like all the yeah. all the designs like sculpted right onto them it's really cool are you, are you gonna paint yours um, I'm gonna try I think I'm gonna try I have not painted anything like like to that extent like ever. Um, and me neither. We'll learn together. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna it'll be very cool because I mean, like you look at the stuff in the box and like that's people who uh, they might as well have gone to like painting school for that stuff because it's just fucking insane. Like to the to the amount of intricate detail and like that they can do with that stuff. So um, now I'm gonna have but, to buy it too. Because first of all, because you yeah. said it's limited. <laughs> Second of all, because I love to paint those things even though I'll, I'm terrible at it. But then the big problem I'm gonna have is once I paint them, I'm not gonna let anybody else touch them, so I'm never gonna be able to play the game. Oh, no, you're gonna want to play the you, game. I mean, like I just. It's, you you're never going to be able to find a space big enough to play it. The, uh, well, actually, his, the, his kitchen table... is huge. You're going to have to play it in the middle of the street. Yeah. No, Jay, Jay is actually a, a fantastic kitchen table. Like, that would be perfect for this game. But you've but, met my brother and his hands and my brother-in-law and his hands, and these things will be destroyed. Oh, no, I agree. That's why I think that after you, after you paint them... Um, only you should use them, but everyone else should use jars of like grape jelly. Um, oh, that would be amazing. Like baby no, it'll be like you know? those military strategy things you see in movies where it'll all be on the map and you'll just be like sliding them along with a big stick. Yeah, I'll be moving them. They can tell me where they want to move it and I'll, I'll, do the, I'll move the stick. Yeah. You have to now, wear a military uniform. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, at all times. Now, Luke, you, uh, you started painting. Um, how's, how, how's your, how's your, second or third ship come along since your first one like are you seeing well, well, yourself are you seeing I, some I improvements they're, so di- they're so different that i think they're all gonna be a different challenge because the materials are really different like i was doing the dwarf ship which um obviously you've got that sort of steel hull you've got some sort of like wooden bits uh, a lot of gold trim but then you've got things like the um i think it's the skaven one which is like a big fleshy beast so it's going to be a completely different painting style um because the materials are so different so i think um it's going to vary a lot but uh, I'm trying to just get used to the the thing I find hardest is the dry brushing yeah. uh, just always too much or too little paint and uh, then I'm having to, to fix it up but uh, yeah. some of the details are tiny I mean you see the pictures in the magazine and um, you think these things are bigger than they actually are and, yeah I was trying uh, to get the sense of scale it's hard to tell yeah they I mean they vary there's some bigger ones smaller ones but um, yeah they're not huge have you had any pieces break while assembling them? Oh yeah, I had one piece. One um sort of there's a, like a pointy um thing at the end of uh, one of the boats. I don't know nothing about boats. I don't have the terminology <laughs> to tell you what I'm talking about. There's like they a, call it a the rear of, end, I think. Not a mast, but it's at the pointy end, and it's a, a little stick that points <laughs> out and has a um, flag on it. 
And uh, yeah, I broke that, but I glued it and it's holding. <laughs> Look, we've just talked about some incredibly nerdy things. Let's talk about something <laughs> awesome. Let's yeah. talk about Rocktober, which is still in full force. Rocktober! 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 Yeah! This has been so dry. This podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Been, oh, well, yes, well, Kickstarter. I mean, I think the yes, problem with well, Kickstarter is... Uh, the problem, you see... have you picked up the Dreadfleet, Michael? Oh, well, well Lucas, it's been a fantastic chip. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so let's go um, ahead and... Let's start drinking the whiskey and start slamming things into walls. Um, I want to totally cut open the wall and stick... smash a fucking guitar over your head. Yeah, I am going to take out this drywall, put fish in it, and put it back up. Like, that's how fucking Rocktober I am. That's pretty rock. Yeah, that's serious. Yeah. So what the hell is Rocktober? I've been sick. <laughs> well, Rocktober was Jacinta's initiative. <laughs> yeah. um, we're celebrating all things rock, uh, sometimes quite uh, laterally <laughs> during Rocktober. There are mixtapes every week. Uh, two contributors will put out a mixtape. So this week we had Jacinta's mixtape and uh, Grug's mixtape, which I was just listening to before we recorded. Um, they've been compiled using 8-track. Both um, pretty surprising. Uh, <laughs> pretty different. Eclectic choice of music. I was telling Jacinta yesterday, I was listening to hers and started off going, oh, this is not for me. Because it starts with um, Glee doing a song from Wicked. <laughs> uh, but then I got to admit, like, in spite myself, about halfway through, I was like, oh, this is all so awesome. So it shows that I can be very easily led in terms of music tastes. Yeah. And uh, Grug has released 22 songs which have animal in the title. Oh, Christ. And there's some really great stuff in there. So uh, I do actually <laughs> recommend it, as crazy as it sounds. And uh, I'm coming up. I've got one coming up. It's either next week or the week after. But uh, look out for that. When are you guys scheduled in? I'm in this um, week and I'm trying to figure out my theme. I don't want to yeah. just right, do so a I'm bunch of songs after. I like. I want to do something cool. So I'm working on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and- Grug's. Yeah, they've just raised the stakes. I was going to just do something, you know, a bunch of things I liked. And now I'm going to have to go back and, and revisit. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm down for week four, so I have to uh, have to start getting my act together here and uh, figure out some some awesome things to do because you know it's Rocktober. Then I'm week three, Rocktober. 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 I just wanted to draw attention to. Um, post that Jacinta made the other day, which was about the bad lip syncing. It was the uh, Michael Bublé yeah. <laughs> Russian unicorn. Now, I hadn't had time to actually watch this, so I watched it with her last night and uh, well worth your time. It's hilarious. If you don't know, it's um, they're taking the Michael Bublé video clip and they've created an entirely new song, um, <laughs> which they're playing over the top. And it looks like he's singing it because it's pretty well lip synced. And then uh, you want to dive deeper as well. My favourite um, wasn't actually on there, but it was a... Um, I can't remember the band, but the song they made was called Everybody Poops. <laughs> and the chorus was Everybody Poops. Um, and if they don't, they're an android and must be destroyed. There was one that I loved on there, and I'm looking it up right now. It was uh, Justin Bieber and... Was it Justin Bieber and, and some country dude? I don't know his name. There's the Asian baby. <laughs> Was that Asian baby? Yeah, it was definitely that one. It was yeah, so was good right. with the with the background vocals and everything. But like, I never heard Michael Bublé before, so I watched it the first one without even knowing what the whole concept was. 
and didn't know if that was him actually singing and was trying to figure it out. Then I went back and watched the other video and realized they completely re-edit the video. It's, it's like crazy. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out if they write the song first or if they edit the video first and see what they can fit to the lip syncing. It's, it's such a crazy process. Yeah, it sounds very involved. My theory was that maybe it's the people behind it uh, have some experience in animation uh, because that would be all about sort of lip syncing and timing and matching audio to words. And uh, you even learn the, you know, the different shapes that the mouth make uh, for different sounds. So uh, I wondered if maybe that was the key to it. it. The first thing it reminded me of was um, those those shreds videos from a couple of years ago where it would be like Santana shreds. Have you guys ever seen this? Nope. No. <laughs> uh, it would, they would just take the video and um, instead of hearing the audio from uh, like Santana playing a live show or, or a music video, they would overdub audio of just really bad guitar playing every time you see him playing guitar. <laughs> every time they showed the drummer, it would just be like, doom, doom. And like, it was terrible. Vocals, it would just be the worst vocals you could imagine. And the way they did it was when you see a video edited, you only see like one guy playing at a time. So the music would be really choppy. You'd see the drummer, you'd hear him, but as soon as it would go back to the guitarist, the drums would fade out and you'd hear this terrible, awful, out-of-key guitar. And they did a ton of videos a couple of years ago, and this kind of had that same feel. We should uh, maybe get some up for October. I will. I will get them up. Get it up. That's yeah, get, get it up. It. It's October. That's right. Get it up for October. All right. So what do we have up here next? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it um. That's, we that's actually me. went on one of those wild <laughs> magical YouTube tours where um because we were um this is how dorky we were we were watching them on the. Uh, like on the big screen TV on the PlayStation using the internet browser there. And of course, it's such a bitch to type in anything. Oh, yeah. So we were looking at the related videos and going, ha, ah, baby wakes itself up with its own fart. We should watch that. <laughs> so we just kept going from one to jumping to the other, you know. Little girl says the C word on uh, the morning show. Let's watch that. And we were just going uh, forward and forward and forward, talking cats, all those sorts of things. And I find that there's this thing about YouTube where if you do this for a period of time, you you're sort of on this ridiculous high and you're laughing and then it suddenly becomes really sad and depressing. You start to see <laughs> this really horrible underbelly of humanity and um, you end up just going, oh, I feel really awful about this now. I know that exact feeling. I, I have the, the Apple TV unit. So we do the same thing where you, you used to search with the little remote where you'd have to go through and type in the letters. But now you can, I guess you can use your iPhone and it's a little easier to browse YouTube. But we would constantly, you know, have people over. Nobody's got this Apple TV. TV, let's watch YouTube on our television and start watching it, start with something I don't even know, and then it would just get terrible and we'd all feel awful and everybody would just go home feeling <laughs> terrible and like yeah, we wasted like you'll our see time. Something that's- either really painfully unfunny and everyone just feels embarrassed and awkward or you'll see something just really awful like someone beating the shit out of somebody else so <laughs> yeah exactly it's, it's terrible ours always end with the star wars disney uh parades and dance sequences oh, the, uh, yeah. the, <laughs> the uh what the hyperspace hoopla yeah exactly have you seen that well, are we gonna put that on the for october <laughs> Uh, make a, I'm going to make a note. It's already up. The other thing, uh, I did a post about Rock Lords. So we were um, going quite laterally. I just wanted to know if either of you two gentlemen ever um, had the beauty of a, a Rock Lord in the palm of your hand. Yes, I did. Yeah, I have as well. Yeah. Which, which one did you have? I don't know. I mixed them up with the, uh, what were those Transformers that, that were rocks? 
Were there Transformers that were there were I masters of the universe that? Oh, that's, that might be what I'm thinking of the the two rock guys that would with Stone Stonedar and Rockon. Yes. Yeah. Well, I've had the, I've had those as well, but no. If, I if Rock Lords were, I th- I'm I'm trying to flip back. I'm trying to find the Rock Lords post, but um. Rock Lords are I'm, um a spinoff of GoBots. Yeah, yeah. Then I definitely had them. I had a lot of shitty GoBots. Yeah, but no, I had um the one I had for sure was like the one that was like flat and square. Um, so it looked like a really oh that uh, that narrows it. <laughs> hey man. But no, I had I, well, I had a Nugget, who was voiced by oh, Telesavalis in the movie. And he was a, a little fuck. The yeah. two-headed one looks really, really familiar to me. He looks great. Yeah, the two-headed one. I reckon he looks the best, best out of all of them. But that's the thing. What I was trying to understand is, like, as a kid, were you as excited about them as I was? <laughs> this the was rock- like right up my alley. These kind of things. The really oddball TV was, you know, was it a TV show? I don't even know. But the really oddball characters were like mad balls like that kind of stuff i love that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but i mean in terms of transforming robots we had dino bots <laughs> and things like that which are totally kick-ass and then you've got this rock guy that transforms into a brown cube and we're all as kids we're like oh man i gotta have that hey man they were sweet they were awesome justify that comment rock lords <laughs> rocks are come alive <laughs> Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> now, now I'm pumped too. <laughs> Rock Lords! Rock Rocks Lords! That come alive. Rocks that come alive, man. Does anyone That's know what awesome. those figures were called that had, they were little guys, a little smaller than like mask sized figures, and they had magnets in their feet? Oh, yeah, that I was, know what you're um, talking about. Oh, shoot, what were those? Um, That was Star, not Starcraft. Was it Starcom? <laughs> no. Magno Force. I'm just making stuff up. No, you're just making up stuff now. I yeah. think, uh, well, I picked up a whole bag of them today at a yard sale for a dollar. So whatever oh, they sweet. are, oh. I got a bunch of them. Can you post them? Yes, I can. I'd love to see them. I, there was a whole range of like mask style figures just as I was coming out of toys, like um, the Dino Riders, and there were those guys that had the like sky hooks and rode around on. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Like lines. Yeah. Yeah. I had like one of them, and he got tangled up within five minutes of opening it out of the package. So I don't even know what those were. Centurions? I had centurions. No, centurions were pretty cool. Like they had like they were like the giant like Barbie doll ones. They had like all the holes in their bodies. Yeah. I'd like to keep doing posts about some of those old toy lines. Um, like there was quite a few of them where I only had like one or two figures. You know, they were things that never really took off. You sort of saw them and went, oh, this is new. And you bought one or two and then never saw them again. Like um, Sectors, which was sort of Master of the Universe size. And they were insect guys. And they rode... Um, I had those, Like yeah. the one I had rode a big tarantula. And he was actually a glove puppet. You could put your fingers in his... Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Incorrect okay. five legs. Yeah, I remember that. And they that. were uh, Supernaturals, unless they had a different name over there, which were the no, with the holograms. Had, um, holograms in the bellies, yep. yeah. Shoot, I'm trying to remember, like, there was a, there was a set of, there was a series of toys, they were like robots that had suction cups on the bottom, and, um, like, a button on the back you'd push and they'd swing their arms around. They had, like, does this ring any bells? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's fine. I'm just, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find them now. We'll, we'll all wait. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, go ahead and wait. Yeah. <laughs> Make yourself a coffee if you're listening. You can, you can move on. Oh, RoboForce. RoboForce! What was their theme song, Mike? If you don't know, make one up. Go. RoboForce! RoboForce <laughs> in the universe! RoboForce! <laughs> No, these guys were fuck awesome. Um, Roboforce, they're fuck awesome. Gonna fuck you up. All right, so like, no, like, I'm looking um, at them. I remember them, but they were definitely kind of bootleggy. No, man, these things were <laughs> these things were the badass. Bottom, they look like bottom shit. 
Star um, Wars right, toys so from South America. No, they, they were basically like cans. Oh, they were awful. What is this? They were basically these Wrecker, were basically it's like cans. a football player. <laughs> I don't think you're looking at the right thing. I'm definitely looking at it. I'll have to send you one. Suction, <laughs> suction cups. <laughs> shitty robots. I'm looking at one of them. I remember this book like at my library growing up. It was like RoboForce and the Giant Robot. And it's basically two little robots looking at a, a giant robot with a sticker that says vulgar across it, like right in its vulgar area. And it's just like, what the hell? <laughs> this one's got a drill dick. What? His name's... He's got like a... Got a drill coming out of his dick. No, you're making his that name's up. His name's No, his name's Titor. T-I-T-O-R, I think. Oh, yeah, here he is. Yeah. No, that's out of his hand. That's a... Uh, that's, that's a... That's a drill-do. Drill-do. <laughs> <laughs> drill-do. <laughs> Robo-force got a drill-do gonna fuck your face. Fucking awesome, Robo-Force. Yeah, I mean, these things were awesome. Like, they had, like, robot... They had, like, helicopter hats and, um, like, laser eyes and, um, like, stuff. But no. Robo-Force, look at my hands. They are weapons. Got a hook, yeah! Yeah, so that's my contribution oh. for today. Um, now I'm all about Robo-Force. You should be. Can you post about them? I'm I'm amazed. Robo-Force? Yeah, man, these things are fucking awesome. No, I, I swear. Even... Look, I'm, I'm not kidding you. I'm going to put this in the fucking notes here. Oh, so therefore it must be legitimate that we have to talk about then. Okay. See, see, see that? There, the, that link. Yeah. And then you look at the group picture, and he's got, a, like, a red drill sticking out of his crutch. <laughs> I'm looking at it. Yeah, I see it. There's definitely he's a... He's got a drill dick. There's drill dough. A drill dough. <laughs> drill dough. We'll, we'll post that picture in the... Uh, it's kind of like that C-3PO <laughs> when he had the that trading card, when he had the, the, the C-3PO dough. The golden rod. Yeah. Crazy. Um, look, it wouldn't be a Fruitless Pursuits cast if we didn't do a bit of a post-mortem for DC. The whole 52 relaunch has happened now. We've had all the number ones. Uh, the number twos have started to flood out. And uh, I got to admit, I was pretty excited about the number twos. I was like, even though a lot of them were pretty bad, the number ones, I was like, oh, here we go. I'm going to read them. I'm going to review them. I read about eight of them and was like, yeah, there's got to be this point where I let go because these really aren't for me. Uh, Animal Man was good, but... Ah, uh, everything else left me pretty cold. Yeah, I got nothing for you. <laughs> so uh, that's why I haven't got a review anyway. And um, the rankings are in. Uh, I was reading yesterday about the top 100 comics for the month from um, Diamond. There's a lot of uh, DC in there. The least successful of the 52 ranked at number 82, just out of interest. Now, what was and the uh, what was, was the highest? Um, so was that uh, out of all 52, all 52 were on that list of 82? Yeah. That's cool. All 52 were in the in the top 100, and the worst ranking was 82, which was Omac. Oh. Uh, which is the sort yeah. of Kirby-inspired uh, guy with the big blue mohawk running around. It's not one I reviewed, but I did um, I did have a look at it, and it uh, didn't really do much for me. But I other people I'm hearing uh, are quite fond of it, so maybe I need to give it another look. Yeah, I think I remember seeing uh, I have at least mentioned it, and he was kind of like pleasantly surprised that that was one of the 52. I don't know if he actually read it at the time, but uh, I remember him s- mentioning it. I think the number one book was a Batman book. Oh, that's good for him. I think I think it was actually Batman number one. It was. Mm-hmm. It definitely was. Now, you read that one then, Luke? Yeah, yeah, I did. I'm trying to think. There were four Batman books. I'm trying to think which one that was. Uh, it was the first one. Yeah, I did. No, the first one? Was <laughs> no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just <laughs> going off the number. I don't know. <laughs> And it wasn't the one with Batman. Thanks for the help, Jay. (laughs) Because there's Detective Comics, which is like a saw ripoff, where Batman's investigating. The Joker's had his... um, Spoilers now, because we're into issue two. The Joker's um, had his face cut off, 
uh, and voluntarily he's gotten someone to cut off his face and then there are all these people that have faces made out of stitched together flesh and there's people getting knived and tortured and Batman's just totally peripheral to the story. You could replace Batman with pretty much any other character and it would still be the same thing. Uh, it's pretty awful. Then there's Batman and Robin where he's um, got his son, who's Robin, who's 10. And then there's Batman number one, which was actually pretty good. Uh, has a mystery, but it's still got people getting stabbed all over the place and tortured. And then there's The Dark Knight, which is the kind of book where nothing happens to Batman and it kind of uses some of the things in the other ones. But uh, see, it doesn't sound very appealing, does it? No, it sounds like you, um, you've you done a great job in up. selling it to me, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you're, you didn't read any of it, and you're just kind of basing it off of the cover. Yeah, so, yeah, so that, no, that's, that's all happening. And there was there was a story, Mike. Um, you drew attention to about yeah. uh, Barnes and Noble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, pretty much, uh, like, was it last week? The uh, the Amazon announced the uh, the new Kindle Fire uh, that was coming out, which is basically the the touch screen Kindle in full color that has a bunch of really cool features. Will make coffee for you. Will have sex with your daughter. You know, whatever you need. In addition to all that, it also will it allow me to have sex with other people's daughters? Most likely, yes. So, oh, I see. That was pretty inappropriate of me, huh? Whoops. But yeah, but also in addition to that, it also had an exclusive 100 um, DC graphic novels, um, including um, some Alan Moore's. Watchmen. Whitehead yep. Watchmen. It also had uh, Sandman, I believe. Uh, like a variety all of like... All the classics. Yeah. So like a bunch of really cool stuff that you actually want to read. It was all exclusive to the Kindle. Um, and so Barnes & Noble heard about this and, you know, like the big... F- fifth grader that they are, they decided to go ahead and pull every copy of any book that was exclusive to the Kindle out of their store so people can't buy it. And you can't even like special order to get into the store or anything like that. So good job, yeah, Barnes and Nobles, are, for making it. Yeah, they asked DC if um, they could have it on the Nook as well, didn't they? Yeah. And DC yeah. said, no, no, no way, get out. And they yeah. said, okay, all right, it's like that, is it? And they picked up the books and they threw them onto the street. Yeah, and so that's a, it's a great way of making sure that the exclusivity of the title only goes through uh, Amazon. So good job. <laughs> and now yeah. hobos that live around Barnes and Nobles are using these graphic novels as bedding. Yeah, you know, they're laying them down on the floor. They're making sure to change them every morning. Um, so it's um, so I guess if you could say that Barnes and Nobles came out ahead here as being like the more humanitarians <laughs> of the group. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, so it's kind of ridiculous and kind of, I, I was surprised to see that. And um, honestly, it made little to no sense to me as to why you would remove things that are your be- like some of your best sellers uh, from the store just because you're not allowed to sell the digital copies of them when people are willing to spend good money on the physical copies of them. So. But the bookstores are dying. <laughs> They're dying. Do you think everything... Will, I think everything will go digital. Like, I, th- there'll always be books. But yeah. I think that, you know, it'll be like how there's always probably going to be vinyl as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it'll I mean, like... It'll be more sort of collectors. Because the moment we all have a tablet of some description and we all have it just in the same way that pretty much everybody has a mobile phone, I think we'll see that shift. I think it'll be yeah. a little different for books though because with, with music and with movies, it's like you can, I guess you can play it on the tablet, you can do the same thing, um, you can store everything on the tablet, but books still feel a little outside of that. Um, basically, what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is that the tablet, the books, the tablet is the only way to play music. The ta- everything is electronic and books are, are much more physical. 
So I feel like it'll take longer because they're physical. Does that make any sense? I think I think there'll be a shift to books will do that thing which every other medium that's getting replaced has to do. And they will have to provide an experience beyond the reading of it. So like a comic, you can read online and it's fine. You can read it on a tablet. And it's not really a different experience to reading it printed out. But when you look at it like a really nicely produced book, like a McSweeney's or something like that, which um, is almost an art piece in itself, or a book like a children's book even which has little bits and pieces that you can pull out or interact with things like that they offer a different experience um but I'm they s- might be something which is of interest to a collector i think i'm seeing those, those children's books as apps now where they do all those yeah. things and it's it's almost like better so but you look at something like video games how arcades were so prominent and then the moment we were all able to do it at home on a console it's not that the arcades went away but there was a shift so suddenly all the games are things that either spill out tickets so that you can get prizes it's all redemption or yeah. are things that you can ride on or sit in or things that you couldn't do at steering home steering wheel and stuff yeah exactly yeah and, and I, I think we're gonna see that shift I, I definitely see um, yeah I'm pretty much with you here Luke um, I, I see that but I also see it um, being a shift that's going to take a long time to happen just because this this sounds really dumb um, young kids don't read and so they for them like they're not really looking to buy books anyways and like so the folks who are more are more avid readers tend to be well they tend to be like our age maybe maybe a bit younger maybe maybe they are in high school and everything but Ultimately, they are more of the of the older generation who are going to be less likely to adopt into um, into the into like e-readers and things like that. And so, in turn, I think you're going to be able to see you're going to see books being around for longer for a much longer period than you think. But I, it's not going to it's not going to be terribly long either. You know, like I mean, well, it will take a long time. iPads have only been around for a year, and now we're getting yeah. all the different ones. I mean, we really need to be a point where everybody has one. Like your grandmother has a, a tablet. Yeah. And like I and I don't and I don't think that's going to think about it. Like it's just a natural thing. I think it will. Well, I'm I'm sorry. I do. That's Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase. It's it it will happen, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I mean, like things like iPads are definitely going to make it a lot easier for folks to adapt into those technologies, um, and especially something like with the Kindle, with the Kindle Fire coming out here, where it basically is a it's basically a seven inch tablet um, computer for like under two hundred dollars, like compared to like the to the iPad um, five hundred. It's going to make it a lot more accessible to people, which I think will will drive that. But but think about I like, mean, like MP3 yeah, it players. Might t- it might take twenty or thirty years. Yeah, MP3. Yeah, I mean, like, it took about 10 to 12 years to get to where we are now, where that's basically the only way people are getting music. Yeah, but there I mean... There are like, older people that act like email is a new thing, <laughs> like a new technology. Yeah. Now, what, what is kind of interesting, though, is if you think about it like that, the, um, like, music for the longest time, like, that was, like, a very... That was a very slow adapter to uh, to a digital front, um, even from like how it was being produced and everything like that, because they still using old old business models that physical copies are better than, than digital. Um, even though like they're really di- it's really dying out. You know, books they seem to like, especially new things that have been coming out and even older ones. They um, they seem to definitely be a lot more readily available in digital format um, across the board because people are constantly buying them in different in different mediums. Um, I think like monthly like comic books and magazines that's the route they're gonna have to go to even survive we're, like we're seeing that already yeah well i mean like was it borders like when bankrupt here and like it's just a matter of time before barnes and nobles goes under as well even if it, if you look to like other mediums like the, with the video um like was it the video store has gone away as well so unfortunately 
I hate to say it, but probably bookstores going to go for sure. Libraries will stick around for forever, but the books bookstores won't. I just want to add then um, with DC, I guess my final sort of summation then as we talk about the digital things, I, I think they're going to have to go free ultimately. They can pack them all filled with ads and stuff, but the way I end up feeling is I'm interested enough that if it was free and I could read it every month, I would uh, for most of these titles. I think they'll but go sub- subscription nothing... before they'll go free, I'm sure. Yeah, but there's nothing about them that makes me want to pay for them. You know, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where if you had to choose between will I pay for it or will I just go without it, I'd definitely but that's, go without Isn't that a problem with the product more than more than the uh, medium? Yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I think they but need to make hard, better comics, I mean, ultimately. Oh, but it, yeah, but it is hard also to imagine a product which would work in that environment just because there's so much free entertainment That's available. True. Yeah. You have to ask yourself like why what is it about this that is so good? Like what is it so good about this Batman comic that I need to pay three dollars for it every month? <laughs> and it's just not of that caliber and it's quite depressing when you look at the whole fifty two and I haven't read all fifty two yet. But you know, if these are their best writers and this is the best product they have to get us interested in comics. I don't think they've done a very good job, and I'm sure they've done as good as they can with what they've got, but what they've got's not great, and I just don't know how they're going to survive. I don't know. I think there's going to be a shift, and it might take a while, but something's got to happen. I mean, how much how much like from the movie industry supports the comic industry like i don't know any numbers or anything but are they surviving just because movies are so successful based on these comics like is that keeping them alive i don't know i don't know like if it's there's a lot of theories on that as to whether they're just sort of lost leaders to um keep the characters in focus things like that but we're talking about your average mainstream comic doesn't sell very many copies. I mean, now they're excited because they're sort of getting back over 100,000 copies again. But in the 90s, comics were selling millions. And I mean, when you think of the population of America alone, and you've got 100,000 people reading comics, and even though these numbers are going up with the DC reboot, a lot of people were buying multiple copies uh, as an investment thing and as a speculative thing. So that skews the numbers as well, and that's not something that's sustainable. And like you said, there's just so much more now. There's so much more that you could be doing with your time than there was back then. You know, it's so everything's yeah. so much more accessible right from your home or right from your pocket. And you're not paying... They're yeah. five, five minutes of entertainment, and you're not paying $3, $4 for five minutes of entertainment. Someone said it before, and comics are for people who, you know, want to make comics. I don't know who said that, but... I kind of I would totally agree with that. You go through I, even yeah. I went through phases when I was younger where I was like oh, I wish I could draw. I'm gonna go buy a bunch of comics and read them. And then once I realized I couldn't draw, I didn't buy any more comics for a while. <laughs> I don't know. I can't get invested in it. I'm just not interested. Yeah, I like what? the really broad ideas of the characters, but the actual execution is pretty poor for the most part. Anyway, we're getting to that time, gentlemen, where we've um, exhausted ourselves and our listeners. <laughs> Probably a good point to wrap up the show. Any yeah. other final thoughts, closing thoughts? Um, yeah. No. We've neglected to talk about the hugest news of the week, which, of course, was the passing of Steve Jobs. It yeah. affected a lot of people, made a lot of people think about things. We were in the uh, city on Friday night here in Perth, most isolated capital city in the world, and uh, I thought it was really nice to walk past the Apple store. You know, it was dark outside, the Apple store was all lit up, and there were a ton of um, flowers and messages and pictures of Steve all outside on the um, on the street outside the store. 
ours was covered with um, post-it of... notes all over the window with like <laughs> little notes to him and it was it was cool yeah so that was really nice um and i think had everybody thinking about um their own mortality mm-hmm. and a lot of other things as well so i think it did that, more than um, more than most people passing you know you usually don't think about that kind of thing and it had like all my everyone at my work was talking about it and it was just it was huge it was weird yeah it was definitely a big thing at my work as well like there like it sounds really dumb but we even like there is even a shrine set up for him as far as memoriam um granted that's what happens when you work at a tech company but still it was um it was pretty interesting to see that because it suddenly took a very solemn turn for a lot of people because he's uh he's had quite you know quite the uh quite the impact on quite a lot of people too i was very moved by seeing the 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 little shrine that was set up the flowers and everything it did actually make me feel quite sad as I was standing there and I really wanted to take a photo of it Uh, and then I thought oh I don't know if I should I don't know if that's disrespectful and then I was like the only reason I can take a photo of it (laughs) <laughs> I've got an iPhone in my pocket. Like, yeah. he has enabled me to do that. And I thought, well, what better than to store this little tribute to him on uh, an iPhone? So I did. Um, and I'm sure he'll be fine with that. People left apples as well. We saw quite a few apples there. So very yeah. interesting. All right. Yeah. Well, on that somber note, everybody yeah. out. <laughs> thank, you very much. thank you very much for listening. As always, if you've got anything you'd like to contribute, um, any submissions, please let us know at contact at fruitlesspursuits.com. Um, we'll have a look at that. Also, if there's anything that you want us to review or do anything like that, we're getting a few things come through. Uh, so thank you for that. And uh, thank you, Mike and Jay. Thank, no, you. thank you, Luke and Jay. Wow. Definitely. Thank you, guys. Rock Lords. Making out of rocks. Rock Lords. Okay. Cool. Thank you and goodbye. Later.